What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Yo, yo, welcome to episode 19 of the Clip City Podcast. I am your host, Jovan Buha, Clippers beat writer for The Athletic. And I know you guys have been asking, I got multiple people, good four, five, six people reaching out to me on Twitter asking why there was no episode last week. I apologize, uh, just scheduling-wise, it didn't really work out. There wasn't really a lot to talk about, too, but there's been a lot to talk about since uh, the, the normal scheduling which would have been last Monday, uh, the, the 10th. A lot has happened since then. Uh, not directly with the Clippers, but throughout the league, throughout the landscape. You have Kevin Durant's injury. You have Clay Thompson's injury. You have the Toronto Raptors and Kawhi Leonard winning the championship. Then you have the AD trade. And I, I think all of that stuff affects the Clippers to varying degrees. Uh, it could have a big impact on the, on the Clippers, not just them directly in terms of Katie and Kawhi are obviously their, their top two targets this summer, but 80, 80 was their third. And I think there's a chance now that the Clippers could end up without a superstar this summer. I know that's disappointing for fans. I know they, you know, they had the, the, the grand plan of, of Kawhi and KD or potentially trading for 80 first and then signing one of those guys and informing what would then be the best duo in the NBA. But look, this is how things go. Like the the NBA is unpredictable and success is fleeting. And and that's why I think, you know, while the the Lakers did give up a lot for AD and uh, as Bill Simmons pointed out in his podcast, which I just listened to uh, a few hours ago, like it is a steep package. It is one of the, the, you know, the, the biggest returns for a star in NBA history, but I think AD is worth it. And I think if you're the Lakers looking at your situation, you are in win now mode and you have to get a guy like that. And I just think for the, you know, something that the Lakers had messed up in the past was not doing that for Paul George or Kawhi. Uh, You know, I think the Celtics have really screwed up by by not acquiring some of those guys too. And I think if you're the Clippers, like the next guy that is available of that caliber. Now, AD was such a unique situation because it's represented by Clutch Sports. Uh, Rich Paul has proven to be arguably the the best and, and most powerful agent in the NBA right now. And I think for the Clippers, if you were going to trade for Anthony Davis, there was a massive risk that he was going to walk in, in 2020 test for agency and walk probably across the hallway to the Lakers. So, you know, the, the Clippers did not want to put Shea Gilgis Alexander in those talks from everything I've heard. And rightfully so. Uh, I think... I think if AD had been open to potentially resigning or I think he was open to an extent, but, but not, you know, not the, the interest level you would want you know, theoretically, if you were making a trade like that, I think if AD had, had been more, you know, not as set on the Lakers and there had been more confidence in the possibility of keeping him, I think you would legitimately have to 
consider putting Shea in uh, for as good as he is, for as promising as he is, just because a guy like AD just doesn't come around. Like he is top five or six player in the league. He's the best big man in the league, in my opinion. And, you know, you're going to have him if you can sign him in 2020 for at least another six years. So I think, you know, taking him through age 32. So I just don't think there was ever really a path for the Clippers to to get into the, that mix. And some teams, like you saw what Toronto did to get Kawhi. You saw what OKC did to get Paul George. Like, I think there are times where you're in a desperate situation and you just risk it all. And if it works out, perfect. You know, Paul, like Paul George was the Thunder's best player last season. I don't think anyone thought that was necessarily going to be the case heading into last season, but you saw that, you know, they ended up keeping him. He's their best player now. And that, that trade was wonderful for them. Uh, for, for the Raptors, even if Kawhi walks this summer, they at least got a championship out of it. They made the finals and that, you know, most success, best season in franchise history. That trade was a W for the Raptors, even if Kawhi walks. Uh, if he stays, then, you know, that, that was a home, you know, well, it already was a home run, but that's like a grand slam. If Kawhi stays now, you're potentially the title favorites for next season and yada, yada. I don't want to, I don't want to depress you guys right now. So I think for, for the Clippers, the, the 80 situation, it was never really realistic. Like, yes, he was included on the, you know, they're on his trade list, but that's always seemed to be more, more almost to like prevent tampering. And, you know, there's so, there's clearly so much tampering going on, um, you know, with, with the whole Lakers situation and, and with talks going on or whatever. I think the, that list was a little bit of like a smokescreen of, you know, we still want to be with the LA, but, um, you know, let's just throw out some teams. So it doesn't look like we're only considering the Lakers. Um, that, that's just all. And this is all speculation. This isn't reporting or anything. I'm uh, breaking news here, but I think most people w- would agree. Like just looking at the situation, reading the tea leaves, like there clearly was a lot of, you know, uh, kind of back tunnel stuff going on in, in terms of finessing the AD situation and getting him to the Lakers. Uh, you know, th- there's no surprise. Like he, he demanded the trade in, what, late January, early February. And since then, he's pretty much been linked with the Lakers the most heavily and it ended up working out, but it, it cost them a lot. And, you know, the Lakers might win a championship over the next two, three years, maybe. But, uh, and, uh, you know, now they have AD in his prime, but in 2022, 2023, 2024, like who knows what that situation is going to look like. And, uh, you know, LeBron isn't going to, he isn't going to be the best player in the league or the top three, top five guy forever. So, that could get ugly for the Lakers down the road, but bring it back to the Clippers. Uh, you know, just getting all my thoughts here on AD. I think it was right not to to really, you know, swing for it. Like there, I just think the potential disaster of trading. You know, let's say it ended up being something like shit. I mean, look at what the Lakers give up. The Clippers are going to have to give up a lot. And, and you know, I think if you looked at a situation where maybe it was like. All right, Gallo, Landry, Shea, the Miami pick, the Philly pick, uh, you know, a future Clippers pick, maybe even throw Trez in that. Like, it was going to be a lot. It was going to be something crazy like that. And what would you be, you know, surrounding Anthony Davis with at that point, right? Like, the Lakers have the luxury of, of having LeBron James to, you know, they literally have nothing on the roster right now. It's LeBron, Kuzma, and, and Anthony Davis. But you at least already have LeBron, another all-star, all-NBA superstar to put him with. For the Clippers, it would have been like Lou Williams, maybe Trez, uh, maybe Pat, if you bring him back, um, you know, and, and Zubats and Jerome. And it's just, there was not going to be a lot there. 
and you know you were potentially recreating that New Orleans situation. So for the Clippers in AD uh, to to put a bow on that, like I, I just think it was never really realistic, and I think the Clippers will be in the mix for the next All Star level, All NBA level guy that becomes available in the trade market. Uh, but it's just going to come down to what's their price and kind of what's their mindset at that time. I think a guy like AD is worth it because he is 26 and he's already so good, great. You know, he looks like he's on uh, pace to be a Hall of Famer uh, at some point. But, uh, you know, a, a guy like Bradley Beal, I think, is someone who's very interesting. And I don't, I think Bradley Beal is, is probably a top 20 guy in the league. He, he was in that all NBA conversation. But I, I don't know. Like, I, I don't know. If, I don't think, personally, I don't think Bradley Beal could be your number one. Uh, I think he's more of a number two, a really good number two at that. But, I think he is more of a number one. And if you're the Clippers, you know, if you get Kawhi, then you could go out and get Bradley Beal. But I think you got to be careful, you know, centering your team around a guy like Beal um, and kind of give it like, that's probably someone I would not give up Shea for uh, if I were the Clippers. Like I think AD, Giannis, uh, potentially a guy like Zion, Luca, like th- there are a few guys who I think are the no brainers where, you know, if the Bucks called the Clippers and said, Hey, Giannis is available. You know, what, what would you give us for him? I think you got you gotta you gotta give up the whole farm because Giannis is you know, probably gonna be the MVP already. You know, a top five or six guy. Uh, he's only twenty four. Like it, that's just like you, you have to do that. But for the, for the next level of guys, which to me is kind of the guys outside the top fifteen, which I personally would put Bradley Beal outside of the top fifteen right now. Uh, I, I think those are the guys who are probably your number twos, and you, you know you should still go get that guy. Because uh, it might bring in the number one, but you got to be careful how much you give up, and you don't mortgage everything for a guy who can't really be the number one on a championship contender. So, for the Clippers, whether it's Bradley Beal, whether it's someone else we we don't see coming, um, you know, like uh, you got to think they're going to some at some point break up the Portland crew, uh, whether it's CJ or Dame becoming available. Um, you know, Dame Dame and Shea would be kind of weird, but I, I think you know, Shea could probably pay, play alongside him and who knows, maybe he's, he's in that trade package if that's how it goes down. But I, I think th- there's, you know, the, the next time a star becomes available, I think the Clippers are going to be the favorites. I don't know if they're going to get that player necessarily. Cause again, I think it depends how good that player is, you know, contract situation, age, uh, fit with the roster. Like th- there's a lot of things that go into it, but the next time the, the next big guy becomes available, I do think you will see the Clippers, uh, you know, as one of the teams in the mix, if not the favorites, uh, just because I think of, the, you know, the way they've built this roster, the, the, the way they have all these assets now, they, they they have a little bit of everything, right? Like you have the intriguing veterans on good deals in Gallo and Lou, Trez, you could call him a veteran, you could call him a young guy, it kind of depends how you look at it. But either way, you know, he, whether he's an intriguing young guy or an intriguing veteran, I think Trez is a very positive asset at only six million uh, expiring. Then you look at the young guys. You know, you, you got Shea, who all rookie, second team, probably should have been first team. I, I've talked about this before. Uh, you know, I think he's he's the the franchise point guard moving forward. But it, you know, for the right guy, I, I think you, you consider moving him, and uh, you know, he he would be a very intriguing guy for another team. You got Shamit, who also all rookie, second team, uh, very intriguing young guy. You know, a lot of people compare him to JJ Redick, but think he's shown uh you know the ability to put the ball on the floor a little bit better than jj at this stage of his career a bit more of a playmaker passer uh and defensively stepped up in the playoffs 
was defending Stephen Clay very, very well. Um, you know, it was not really something he had shown a lot in his time with the Clippers, you know, heading into the playoffs, but really did step up on that stage. And, you know, that, that was the pressure cooker, right? Like you're playing Golden State. They've won three of the last four titles. They're, you know, the, the biggest first round favorites in, you know, I don't even remember now, it was like 20 something years. Uh, and, and Landry stepped up and, and defensively and, you know, played clay really well and then switch on to Steph. And I thought that was the best adjustment the Clippers made in that series. And it was an adjustment no one really saw coming. So I think Landry's proven a lot. Jerome, the jury's still out on him, but I think it's, it is way too early to rush to judgment. Like he, he battled with injuries last season. It was a very deep team. There wasn't really a clear role for him. And, you know, yes, you, you got to look at him in the context of Shea and Landry are, you know, further ahead and, and by, I think, a significant margin uh, in terms of their development and production and ability right now. But Jerome, I, I would not give up on him yet. I think if if he's at this point right now or, you know, showing similar skill level and production and ability a year from now, then I think you maybe start to get a little bit concerned. But I think Jerome is going to have a, a role on the second unit. Uh, it would not surprise me if he's the backup two behind Landry uh, kind of permanently and, and the Clippers kind of have it where, you know, lose sort of the de facto one, even though he's not really a point guard. Uh, he, he's gotten better as a passer and, and a ball handler, uh, you know, with, with the Clippers, a playmaker. And so I think he's kind of the backup one. So if you look at Shea and Landry as the one starting one, two, you probably see Jerome and, uh, and Lou as the backup one and two with potentially Pat, if they bring him back, I think kind of in that two, three role uh, alongside Jerome and, Go a little bit smaller with the second unit, but I think that's how things are probably going to shake out for the Clippers if they do end up landing uh, the, the star wing or even just a quality wing on the market. If they don't get the star, they're going to have to sign a small forward. They can't not have a small forward. So uh, either way, I think, you know, and I'm going off on a tangent here, but I think that, you know, they, they got the movable veteran guys. They, they got the young guys and they got the picks. The, that Miami pick looks even better now. You look at how the Lakers moved up in the draft. You look at how the Pelicans moved up in the draft. That Miami pick, if it's a lottery pick, like that could easily be a top four pick. And there's, you know, the odds of that pick moving up just increased by a lot. And I think now you're going to see teams, uh, you know, those types of picks are going to be even more valuable because if it, you know, if Miami, Miami does not have a great cap situation moving forward, they're going to kind of be stuck in this weird zone of, they're kind of mediocre. Maybe they're a seven or eight seed, but they could also be a nine, 10, 11 seed in the East. And if they miss the playoffs and that's even like a, a eight, nine, 10, 11 projected pick, like that could move up. You know, th those types of picks are going to move up more than they used to with the new lottery system. So I think that pick is going to be more valuable in, in trade talks. And then you got the 2020 Philly pick, which who knows Philly could lose Jimmy and Tobias th this summer. Uh, you know, I think they're going to keep one of those guys, but there is a definite possibility, you know, with, with, with the Lakers getting AD, I think they're more attractive to a guy like Jimmy. I think the Clippers, if they can get Kawhi, uh, you know, are attractive to a guy like Jimmy. I think that you got the Knicks and the Nets uh, who are kind of more desperate now that KD went down. So I think that there's a, definitely a realistic possibility that Jimmy could leave if the Sixers don't come with the max. And then a guy like Tobias, like, you know, I think that then the Philly would have to think about maxing him if Jimmy walks, but he's going to have a lot of interest. I think Denver, Utah, Brooklyn, Dallas, like there's going to be multiple suitors for a guy like Tobias Harris, Indiana potentially. So 
I think there's a realistic possibility that Philly pick could end up being, you know, I don't know, low twenties, uh, maybe even high teens, potentially on how things shake out. Like, you know, Joel Embiid has been healthy the last couple of years, but we, we don't know what his health status will be moving forward. We don't really know what's going to happen with Ben Simmons. You know, they got to break those two up at some point. So just look at the Clippers assets and then they have all their own picks through 2025. Like I think the Clippers have a lot. And I think, if you're looking at it objectively and realistically, they really can't, you know, now the Lakers are off the market in, in terms of a, a trade uh, partner. It really is the Clippers, the Celtics, the Knicks, and the Nets. I think if you're looking at what the Clippers have versus those other franchises, I, 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 I don't know, maybe I'm biased. Maybe I, I have red and blue color, you know, tinted glasses on right now, but I think the Clippers have as much, if not more, than any of the other three. Like, I, I think they have more than the Knicks. Uh, I think they have more than the Nets. I think the Celtics' best possible package could probably trump them if it's like Tatum, Brown, uh, the the Grizzlies pick, you know, maybe Smart in there. Like, I, the Celtics can get a really good package, but they weren't willing to offer that for AD. And I know there's a lot of stuff there with Clutch and Boston and. You know, Rich Paul basically came out and told SI if he goes to Boston, he's going to leave after a year. So I guess I, I get it from the Celtics, you know, perspective. But this is now, you know, the third or fourth guy they have refused to trade for. I don't know if it's a no-brainer that the next guy that comes on the market, Boston's all of a sudden going to be willing to throw in Tatum and Brown and, and all their picks. Like, you know, I, I think that the, the Clippers' best package is probably better than the Celtics' most realistic package. I don't, like... Again, maybe I'm wrong and maybe I'm overvaluing, uh, you know, Shea or the Miami pick or, or whatever. But I, I think the Clippers have, you know, a very enticing trade package. And I think they really are the team to watch the next time a star becomes available. I just didn't think with Anthony Davis, it was the right situation. Uh, let's take a quick break and then I will get into the Katie, Clay and Kawhi part of what's happened over the last week. What's up, Blue Wire listeners? This is Jack from the Real Underscore Sports Podcast, a Snapchat sports pod. We recently ranked as the number one sports podcast on all of iTunes, all of Apple. We cover all things from the NBA draft, from NBA free agency. We're working on MLB this summer, as well as the NFL offseason. Catch me and my co-host Abe on the Real Underscore Sports Podcast, a Snapchat sports pod, a part of the wonderful Blue Wire Podcast Network. All right, so the AD trade has been the talk of the last, you know, three days, uh, 72 hours. But really, from a Clippers perspective, the most important thing, the most intriguing thing, the most pertinent thing over the last week has been the finals and all of the fallout. I wrote before the series that I thought the worst case scenario for the Clippers was the Toronto Raptors winning the title uh you know just looking at nba history there has never been a situation in which you know a finals mvp but even a finals mvp can be a little weird because you've had guys like andre Iguodala win it um you know and it's just it, it could be a little fluky where like not the best guy on the team wins it but like just looking at the the best you know superstar level guys on nba championship teams they really have never walked away from a championship and that chance to defend a championship. It's always a situation where, you know, you, you think of 
but let's think, I mean, like, like LeBron, LeBron lost in, in 2014, you know, they won 2012, 2013. He, they lose in 2014 to the Spurs. He walks away. Uh, and then same thing, you know, they, they lose 2015, win 2016, lose 2017 and 18. He walks away. If Kevin Durant walks this summer, he's walking away from a loss. If, uh, you know, then, then going back even earlier in the decade, like you, you had, uh, you had Shaq twice where the Lakers won the three peat Then they had back to back years. They didn't win Shaq leaves, uh, Miami wins. And then they have an, uh, another couple years. They don't win Shaq leaves. So I, I just think there's no precedent for a guy of Kawhi's caliber, you know, in their prime walking away from a, a championship and, I know that sucks for Clipper fans to hear, but that, that's just a fact of the matter. Now, that doesn't mean Kawhi won't do it. I, I think they're, you know, the Clippers are very much in the mix for Kawhi. Uh, I, I think they've even probably been coy about how much they're in the mix for Kawhi. Like, you know, you haven't really seen a lot of stuff leaked from the Clippers side. It's been a lot of stuff from the Raptors side of, oh, he bought a house here, which wasn't even true. Uh, you, you know, and, oh, we're confident we're, we're this and that. Like, I, I think the Clippers are in the mix. And I think if he leaves the Raptors, he's going to go to the Clippers. Uh, you know, there, there's been some Lakers talk over the last couple of days, but Lakers don't even have enough for a max salary slot. They, they're looking at like 23 million right now. And you're not going to get Kawhi Leonard on a 9 million annual discount like that. That's just not going to happen. Um, you know, he'd be leaving over 50 million on the table. Like I, I just don't, I don't see that happening. If, if he wants to be in LA that bad, you know, wants to be with the Lakers that bad, then more power to him. But I, I just don't see that being a realistic outcome. So really, if you look at the situation, I think Kawhi is either going to stay in Toronto or he's going to come to LA. Uh, I don't know in terms of contract length. Like I could see him potentially resign. I think if he resigns in Toronto, it's probably going to be on like a one plus one or like a shorter deal. Uh, whereas if he comes to the Clippers, I would guess it would be a longer deal, but you never know. It is a little bit weird if he comes on like a one plus one because now you're like, are we really playing this game? Are we doing the same thing KD and LeBron have been doing the last decade? Like maybe, but um I think the more like the two probably most realistic outcomes would be him staying in Toronto and like a one plus one or like some type of short deal or him coming to the Clippers for like a four year deal, uh, maybe a three plus one, uh, similar to what LeBron signed with the Lakers last summer. But I mean, look, like the, the truth is the, the clip, whatever the Clippers odds were heading into the postseason of getting Kawhi, um, you know, I've, I've been on record saying I felt like they were around like 40%. And you'd probably give the Raptors 35, 40%. And then you give another 20% for the unknown, whether that's the Lakers, the Knicks, the Nets, you know, another unforeseen team entering the mix. Like Dallas is going to have cap space there. I think Dallas is super intriguing. You got Luca, you got Porzingis, you got Rick Carlisle, championship coach, really good coach. You got Cuban who, you know, uh, is going to spend money and, you know, wants to do everything he can to win. Like, I think Dallas is very intriguing. Uh, I don't know, you know, I don't think they, they have the same level of intrigue as like the Clippers, but I think they're more intriguing than the Knicks. Uh, maybe, and honestly, maybe even the Nets. I, I don't know. Like if the Nets get Kyrie, maybe that changes. But um, I, I think I think for the Clippers, whatever their odds were heading into the postseason of keeping Kawhi, which again, I, like I just said, I thought was 40%. I think whatever it was, it ha- has potentially gotten bigger because only because you, you've eliminated the other teams. You've elim- I think you've eliminated the Lakers. I think you've eliminated the, the you know, I don't. I just don't see him go to the Nets or the Knicks. It, it just doesn't make sense. Like, 
I mean, look, if you went with Kyrie to the Nets, like that'd be a very, very good team and possibly the, the you know, a title contender. But I, I just don't, I think if he's going to, if he's going to go to, if he's going to stay in the East, he's going to stay in Toronto. I just, that, that just is what makes sense to me. If he's going to leave, he's going to come to LA. Lakers don't even, aren't even possible right now. I just don't, again, I don't see him taking that massive pay cut and to play, you know, what, third fiddle, second fiddle. I just don't see that happening. It's Clippers or Raptors. So maybe it's a 50-50 thing right now. But to me, like, you can't really say the Clippers are the favorites over the Raptors. I just think, you know, the Raptors just won the title. I think there's a very short-term window for them where they could keep this band together and really be the favorites for the next year or two. And potentially reel off two or three, you know, two or three titles over this span. Uh, Pascal Siakam, I think, is going to get better. Fred Van Vliet has potential. OG Ananobi, like they have some solid. Well, Van Vliet and OG Ananobi, I think, are role players. But Siakam is a is a potential future All Star and an All NBA guy. Like the Raptors have, and they're in the East. Like you can't you can't take that part of the equation out of it. Where I think that the top of the East was probably better than the top of the West this year, but. In terms of depth, like the, the Clippers were the eight seed. The Clippers were, if the Clippers had been in the East, they probably would have been, what, the fourth best team in the East? Like you, you'd put Philly, Toronto, Milwaukee over them. And then they're right there, I think, with Boston, honestly. Um, maybe Boston's a little bit better than the fifth team. But like Clippers would have been right there. And, and I think you could have gone even lower than the Clippers. Like you would probably go into like 10, 11, 12 in the West, and that team would still make the playoffs in the East and maybe even be like a six or seven seed. So I think there is still a gap between the West and the East. And I think if you're, if you're Kawhi Leonard and you really only care about winning, I think the best move might honestly be a one plus one with Toronto. You stay there, you, you know, defend the title. You maybe, maybe you win again next season. You're at least in the mix, if not the favorites. And then you test for agency in 2020 or 2021, and then kind of assess where's Toronto at, what's going on. I, that's my objective opinion of the best winning situation for Kawhi Leonard right now. Uh, again, you're in the East, you get that bump, you get that boost. You saw what happened with LeBron. He was in the East for eight straight, you know, well, his entire career till last year, but you know, eight straight finals in the East. That probably does not happen in the West. You got to think the Spurs or the Warriors knock him out at, at least one, two, three, if not half of of his finals trips don't happen in the West versus the East. If you're Kawhi and you really only care about winning. I think you stay East. I think you ride this Toronto thing out until you stop making the finals, until you stop winning championships. Uh, you know, again, it's just like, it's so rare to walk away. It just has never happened where someone has walked away from a championship team. Uh, like people have retired, but, but to leave for, you know, a, a different team, it just really never happened. If I'm blanking on someone, please let me know on Twitter or Instagram, but um, it, it's just never happened. So I think, you know, to circle back to the the odds, like I, I think you got to say that, you know, maybe the Clippers and, and Raptors are, are neck and neck and it's 50-50 or 45-55, something in that range. But I, I just can't see how their odds have improved in terms of in contrast with the Raptors. Now, again, maybe both odds went up where it was 40-40 and now it's 50-50. But like the Raptors have hung around and I think made themselves a more interesting and viable threat I think if they had lost in the second round or even the conference finals, it probably would have been the Clippers as the favorites heading into free agency. But right now it does seem like it is a very close, like can go either way type of situation. Uh, I think if you're, 
if you're the Clippers, like you still got to be somewhat optimistic. I, you you got to think that once you get that free agency pitch meeting with him, once you have Steve Ballmer in there, once you have Jerry West, once you have Lawrence Frank, uh, Doc Rivers, the, the rest of the crew, like you can get Kawhi to buy in. Uh, but I, I you can't like <laughs> Toronto just got to put a, a ring on the table. They just got to put the Larry O'Brien trophy on the table. And, and that's, that's a pretty compelling pitch. Like I, I can't, I can't go against that. And, um, you know, so I think it's gonna be interesting to see how it plays out. And then transitioning to the Warriors stuff, like the, the Warriors stuff is super fascinating because you now have a situation where they're probably gonna take a massive step back next season, potentially miss the playoffs. I think they'll probably still be in like the six to eight mix, uh, but, you know, potentially miss the playoffs. And then if they bring back Clay and potentially KD, they could be go back to the title contenders uh, if not the title favorites in, in 2020 to 2021, depending on what shape those guys come back in, uh, in terms of just their ability and their athleticism and all that stuff. So it's a really interesting situation for the Warriors. Uh, you know, don't want to go too much into that, but for the Clippers, like th- this, this, you know, the, the Katie injury really was, I feel like the biggest blow of, of everything, right? Like Toronto, the, Winning the title, the odds, I think, stayed the same or got a little bit worse of getting Kawhi. I don't think it was drastic, but I, I think there there was – it was kind of neutral or, like, slightly negative. I think the AD trade, again, like, even though the Clippers wanted to be in the mix, I, I just don't think they ever really were. And, you know, it's nice to get, you know, name-dropped by him, but they weren't going to get him, and, and, you know, that's just kind of how it played out. Uh, he was always going to the Lakers, whether it was through trade or free agency. But the KD thing – the KD thing is tough because it, it it doesn't eliminate the Clippers, though I do think that it it increases the likelihood that he stays in Golden State, which theoretically would decrease the Clippers' odds of getting him just because if his uh, you know odds of staying in Golden State goes up 5-10%, that's going to take away 5-10% to from the rest of the pool, uh, which theoretically would affect the Clippers. But the, the KD thing stinks because now you can't – like. Even if you bring in KD, whether it's with Kawhi or with someone else, you're just losing that year, uh, you know. And, and this had been such a big year for KD, where I think he had really taken the the crown of best player alive. Uh, I think he had shown that in the finals, uh, you know, the back to back seasons, 2017, 2018, where he matched, if not, I don't know if he outplayed LeBron, but but he went toe to toe with LeBron, and he did have his moments on him. You know, he had that game three shot in 2017. He had another big shot over him in, in in the 2018 finals. Like he won finals MVP both years. You can make the case he was just as good, if not better than LeBron, which at that time, you know, 2018 was probably LeBron's best playoff run. So to, to look at KD through that lens, like you're out playing LeBron during his best playoff run, like that, that's pretty special. And I think you saw what he did against the Clippers in the last four games of, that, uh, of the first round series. You saw what he did against Houston. Heck, you even saw what he did against Toronto in 12 minutes. Like, dude came in, could barely move, and, and still had 11 points. Clearly made a, a big impact for the Warriors. I think they actually – I think they lose that game if he does not play. If he does not give them those 12 minutes, I think they would have lost that game. Uh, and I, I think that – the I mean, look, there's a lot of what-ifs now with, you know, maybe Clay doesn't get injured, KD doesn't get injured, the Warriors just lose, uh, KD walks to the Knicks or Clippers, and – uh, you know, Clay stays and, and then the Warriors head into next season as 
still title contenders. Maybe the, the Clippers or Knicks are now title contenders, and who knows? But that's not the reality of the situation. The reality of the situation is now if the Clippers bring in KD, he's by himself. They're probably going to run back the situation, have a similar team to last season, though he would be eating up a lot of the cap space, so they probably lose Pat Beverly, Jamichael uh, you Green, maybe even Zubat. Like, the, the ramifications would be they would lose some of their free agents, but they and then there'd kind of be this weird in between zone where Katie's on the team, but he's not playing. And like, they you know, you're looking at the future, like they're going to be title contenders once he's healthy, but you, we don't know when he's going to be healthy. We don't know again, we don't know how he's going to return. We we're confident in how he's going to return. Like, to me, I'm like, if Katie is 80% of the athlete he he was, you know, a month ago. That's still like, you know, Dirk Nowitzki, like, like he's basically Dirk Nowitzki, right? Like he, he could shoot like that. It, Dirk was never mobile. Even in 2011, if you watch his highlights, like, you know, that was his, you know, won the title, uh, best playoff run from him, like, you know, most dominant. He, he was never this like, mo- he was never a mobile athlete. Like Dirk has always been about footwork and, and timing and pacing and, and just his, his frame and his size and his shooting and. Uh, it's just under, uh, basketball IQ and understanding of the game and, and how to attack defenders. Like Dirk is just a, a really like, you know, one of the best shooters ever, arguably the best shooting seven footer ever. And uh, you know, he, he was able to exploit that, but it's not like he was this crazy athlete or, or even like sneaky, crazy athlete who, who, you know, would trick defenses. Like, you know, Dirk was, has never been a very mobile guy. KD at 80%. And I, I don't, you know, uh, Kevin Pelton has, has written about this. Guys coming off Achilles tears have an 8% decrease in their production historically. And over the last decade, it's been 6.5%. So if you're, you know, now that's not necessarily your athleticism, but if Katie has a 6.5% decrease in his production, his ability, whatever, like that's still a top 10 guy, like 6% drop off for KD is still a very special player. It's still a max player. So I think if the Clippers bring him in, you know, you're obviously going to take a step back probably next season. Uh, you know, maybe the young guys improve and, and that ends up being a better situation. But uh, in terms of like f- compared to last season, but realistically, like unless you bring in Kawhi or, or Jimmy or Kyrie or, or another big name, uh, you're probably going to be worse w- with Katie on the sidelines. Now that next season is where you make the jump. And I think then you have Shea, Landry and Jerome heading into the third seasons uh, you, you are looking into re-signing Trez. You have Lou as an expiring. Gallo's a free agent. Uh, Zoo is probably still under con- you know, re-signed under contract. And then now you're getting KD back. He will be 32, but it, you know, look, look at how LeBron is aged. Uh, I, I think KD has a little bit more question marks because he's had more injuries and, and kind of some more concerning stuff with his lower body. And he's bigger than LeBron in terms of height. But I, I think there's no reason to to look at you know, look at how Dirk Nowitzki aged uh, well into, you know, w- was a very good player well past 35, 36, 30, you know, into the 36, 37, 38 range. Like Dirk was still pretty good uh, until the last like two, three years. So I don't see any reason why KD can't do that. Can't I mean, again, like 32, 32 in the modern NBA is more like 28, 29, really like, you know, maybe 30, but like, it, it's not what 32 used to be 10, 15, 20 years ago. So I do think that KD is going to come back. I think he's going to be very good. I think he's going to be at worst a top 15 player still in the league. And I think if you're the Clippers, like 
you have to you have to you know reach out you have to offer him a max and again who knows what he's going to do who know like you can make the case that he's more likely to stay in golden state you can make the case he's more likely to leave now uh i know there's been some talk about what jay williams was saying uh on espn last week about you know him feeling that the the warriors misdiagnosed katie and kind of mishandled the situation look he, he's part of katie's show the boardroom for espn so looking at that like you don't have to be a, a genius to kind of realize like he's kind of in katie's camp and if he's saying that there's got to be something there to some extent that katie's not happy with how the warriors handled things and that if he was people already thought he he had a foot out and was ready to, to bring his second foot out of the door that could push the other leg out and, and just really make him uh, you know, walk this summer and not be a warrior next year. So we don't really know. There hasn't been many developments in terms of the reporting and and sort of Kawhi's going to do this, Katie's going to do this. Uh, the one thing I'll say, I, I still think Clay is going to resign. I, I think you know he's going to get the five year max. Golden State has to do that. An ACL tear is not what it used to be. I think uh, Clay will come back. You know, still as a top twenty guy still is an all NBA caliber guy, all defense caliber guy, an all-star. And uh, he, he makes a lot of sense to bring back on a max if you're Golden State. But outside of that, you know, we now know AD's a Laker. Uh, but for the, for the Clippers, it really is Kawhi or KD. And that's something I want to touch on quickly. I, I just wrote a piece last week for The Athletic about, about the Clippers and, and free agency and kind of their direction and, and you know, how things are looking uh, two weeks before free agency, or approximately two, two and a half weeks. There's a misconception with the Clippers that they're all in on this summer. And I've already seen it start to come up on, on the, the talk shows and and people saying there, there's even more pressure on the Clippers now. And I, I just don't, I just don't agree with that. And, and, you know, here's the reason why. But when the Clippers traded Blake Griffin in 2018, that was the fi- that was really the final step of of tearing down Lob City, right? So they traded Chris in 2017, resigned uh, resigned Blake. They they kept that asset, and you know DeAndre was expiring. He could opt out and look like he was going to. So really, really Blake, you know, they traded Chris, but but trading Blake was, was the end of Lob City because. Blake and Chris were the two primary guys. Like DeAndre was a it was a good number three, but he was not on the level of, of Blake or Chris. And, and those were really the two special guys who made the Clippers a title contender for five years. And once you trade Blake and you don't get a star back, which you rarely do in those cases, um, even though the Clippers actually got better post uh, the Blake trade, like that was a move for the future of we're going to rebuild uh, Lawrence Frank has preferred the, the term reshape, but we're going to reshape, rebuild, retool, whatever you want, you want to call it. And it's going to be a slow, methodical process. Like the, the, what the Clippers have shown, I think, with their front office is they are not, they're in many ways the opposite of the Lakers. Like they're not going to mortgage their future for a short term gain. They are looking at the, they're playing the long game. They're looking, uh, you know, down the road at, at how things are going to look I- in the league. And I, I think for them, you know, from, from, you know, talking to people around the organization and, and sort of everything I've, I've heard and, and learned and reported, like they were looking at 2021 as the realistic year that they would get back into 
be, you know, that they would be competitive in free agency, that they would be in the mix for, for superstars. They thought that they would have, you know, 2018, 19, 2019, 20, and 2020, 2021 as those three foundational years of, all right, you know, we, we've kind of mishandled our assets before we've traded away young guys, we've traded away picks. Uh, you know, let's replenish that. Let's get future picks. Let's get a young core. Let's develop them. Let's get an identity. Uh, you know, we're going to become a blue collar scrappy team. Cause that's what Steve Ballmer likes. He grew up a Pistons fan during the bad boys era. Uh, so, you know, he, he likes that blue collar, hard nosed scrappy identity. It also fits with the Clippers fan base. You know, a lot as Pat Beverly said during the season, like this is who we do it for. The Clippers fans are in many ways, not like, not at all. Like the, the kind of Laker LA stereotype that, that gets ascribed to LA fans. They, they're very much, uh, you know, hardworking blue collar people that, you know, the, the, some people have called some of them hipsters and, and like they, they are, you know, anti-culture might be, you know, too, too strong, but Clipper fans are not the same as Laker fans in many, many ways for, for good, for work, you know, for good or bad, for better or worse, however you want to look at it. Uh, we'll, we'll say for good and for better, because if you're listening right now, you're probably a Clippers fan, but you know, point being like the, the Clippers carved out this identity. They, they got the young guys. Like I already said, they got Landry, they got Shea, they, they got Jerome, they got Zubots, uh, they got Trez, who's still pretty young, only 25. Um, and then they got the picks, you know, they have all their picks. They have the Miami pick, they have the Philly pick. They got a couple interesting Detroit second rounders who should you know, probably be top 40 picks, which you can find someone in that 31 to 40 range. Uh, you know, if you're, um, you know, competent front office, which the Clippers have shown they are. So, for me, uh, and, and just looking at the situation, like the Clippers have, have done, not only have they've done what they set out to do, but they've also fast-tracked it, you know, not not even by design. It's just kind of, they looked into it. Like last season, they overachieved. No one thought they were going to make the playoffs. Uh, you know, most people had them as a 10-11 seed. They ended up sneaking in as an 8 seed. Probably could have even been a 6 or 7 seed had they taken care of their business towards the end of the regular season. And they pushed the Warriors to, to six games in the, in the first round. Who knows if KD's out, maybe that goes to seven. Uh, I, I would not say they, they would win that series, but I think they could have gotten another game potentially had KD you know, been injured earlier in the, in the postseason. But I think there, there's been a lot of, a lot of just misunderstanding of what the Clippers are trying to do. And I think there's a lot of fans who I've seen say they, they want Kyrie, they want Jimmy, uh, you know, they, they'd even take a Vucevic or Chris Middleton. Like the Clippers traded Tobias Harris in 2019 as part of that rebuilding process from the Blake trade. And that was because they didn't think that Tobias was worth, you know, the max. They didn't think Tobias was a top two guy on a championship team and maybe even a top three guy on a championship team. So for the Clippers to turn around and go sign Nick Vucevic to the max, uh, shout out Vucevic, he's a USC guy, you know, uh, got to show love. Uh, but to, to sign him to a max or to sign Chris Middleton to a max or Kemba Walker, like that wouldn't make sense because those guys like, well, you can make the case that, you know, they're better than Tobias or, or same level as Tobias. Like why would the, Cl the Clippers would have just kept Tobias then if they were going to do that? Like the Clippers aren't going to sign a guy of that level to a max contract. They might sign them to a one-year max, a two-year max, but those guys are looking for security. They're looking for four-year deals. And the Clippers aren't going to do that. Now the next tier is the is the the Kyrie and Jimmy, but the, the Clippers, are, I, it just doesn't really make sense. Again, like 
look at how Kyrie handled the whole Boston situation. Look at all the stuff that's happened with Jimmy in Chicago, in Minnesota, in Philly. He's had locker room problems in his last three stops. And while maybe there's been a narrative spun against him because of the way he leads, because of his personality, like you can't, you can't just throw that out the window that, you know, and look past the fact that he has had locker room issues now in three consecutive stops. Like at some point it stops becoming a, Oh, the, you know, everyone's too soft. They can't deal with me and starts becoming, no, maybe you're part of the problem and, and you have to take some responsibility to some extent. So I think there, are, I think on a talent level, Jimmy and like, to me, Kyrie's still a top 12, 13 guy in the league. I think Jimmy is right on the cusp of that top 15, 16. I think in, in terms of talent level, they both are clear number twos. And I think they both in the right situation actually could potentially be number ones. Like J- Jimmy's been a number one in the playoffs. He was more of a number one in crunch time than really any other sixer was. Uh, you know, he's clutchy. It's big shots. Kyrie's shown in, in Cleveland and, and even at times in Boston that he can do that down the stretch. I think you'd prefer either one as a number two, but I, I just think those guys are not number ones. And if you're the Clippers, you're looking for number one. You have the infrastructure, you have the role players, you have the young talent, you have the movable uh, veteran talent. You need the number one guy. And, and there, there's really two number one guys this offseason, and that's Kawhi and that's KD. And that's why, from everything I've heard and, and reported, it really is a Kawhi or KD or bust this summer for the Clippers. Now, I, I say that with a caveat that that does not mean they will not sign a Vucevic or, you know, I don't see Milton, but like, like a, that doesn't mean they're not going to sign a B-level free agent. I would just be very, very surprised if they sign that B-level free agent for, you know, three to four years. Now, if they sign one of those guys for one or two years, you're, you know, rolling over your cap space, you're keeping your flexibility, you're remaining competitive, which Clippers want to remain competitive. They don't want to fully rebuild. That will make some sense, and, and I think you could find the, the value and the argument in that. But to turn around and, and, and sign one of those guys, you know, sign Chris Middleton to like a four-year, $140 million contract, I just don't really think that that would make a lot of sense. Kyrie and Jimmy and Kemba, I could see as a number two. If you go out and get Kawhi, he signs the first day or two in free agency. Now you go pursue Kyrie, you go pursue Jimmy, you go pursue Kemba. Uh, that would make some sense as one of those guys as number two option. Now, the thing is, going back to Kyrie and Kemba, something I heard and reported was that the Clippers do not want a star point guard. They're, they're most likely not going to pursue one. You can't rule it out 100%, but they're very high on Shea. That's part of why they wouldn't include him in the AD talks. Uh, you know, that's why they're very hesitant to even consider trading him for really anybody barring like a Giannis or a Zion, uh, becoming available because they're very high on Shea. They view Shea as a franchise cornerstone. They view him as a potential all-star down the road. They view him as a building block and an enticing piece for free agents, uh, and just, you know, for, for the franchise, uh, moving forward. So they do not, you know, they view Shea as the point guard of the future and obviously bringing in a Kyrie or a Kemba would conflict with that. You, you'd have to move Shea off the ball. You'd have to make him more of a two. Uh, I don't, and who knows, maybe they bring him off the bench, but like that would be a very devastating and deflating situation for Shea. So I just don't see any realistic way that happens. Now you can't rule out hundred percent. 
if Kawhi comes and says he wants a star and a Kyrie or a Kemba is the only guy available, I think you have to do it uh, to appease Kawhi and then kind of go from there. But Kawhi doesn't really strike me as the guy to make those types of de- demands and, and kind of ultimatums. And again, like I, I think if you're going to go that route, like Jimmy Butler probably makes more sense than, than Kyrie or Kemba in that context. Bring in Kawhi, bring in Jimmy, and you're, you're looking like a top three team in the West, if not the, the favorite. So I think for the Clippers, it's been a crazy week. And I know uh, there's been a lot to unpack. Uh, I was planning on going like 20, 25 minutes. We're already at almost 50 minutes here. Uh, but there's a lot I had to get off on my chest. I think to recap, the AD trade, had had there been more of a, a possibility of him staying, the, the Clippers should have gone more in on, on the trade package. But again, just from everything I've heard uh, from, from, you know, multiple sources, multiple teams, like, it was just never really that realistic. And, and it always seemed like anyone dealing with the situation knew that AD w- was trying to angle his way to the Lakers. So uh, I, I think that's why you didn't see the Clippers offer a great package. I don't think that, that I think that's why you didn't see Boston go all in on, with their package. I think that's why you didn't see teams like uh, a Denver or a Portland or a Toronto, even a Toronto uh, fresh off their title. Uh, you know, they could have built an interesting package around Pascal Siakam to, to try to keep, uh, you know, to interest Kawhi and keep him there. Uh, so AD to the Lakers, like he was one of the Clippers targets, but again, I just never saw a realistic path there. Kawhi and KD, who knows now? Um, I think the Clippers will be in the mix for Kawhi. I think they're going to be a meeting with him. And I think that they have a good chance of signing him. KD was already very unpredictable and just kind of difficult to project. I think it's become even more so like, you know, it, had he wanted to go to New York, which has been the, the prevailing rumor for the last four or five months, like, I mean, it's probably less interesting now, but I mean, what what's to stop him? Like he's a, he's going to miss a year either way. So why not go to the situation you want to be in, whether that's the Knicks, the Clippers, or, or resigning Golden State? Uh, but there's going to be a lot of rumors coming out over the next two weeks. There's going to be a lot of moving pieces. Uh, there will probably be trades after you know uh, before and after the draft, and, and things that are going to shape the the future of uh, you know free agency and, and the league, but. I think if you can't really walk away from this postseason and in, in the 80 situation feeling super optimistic uh, about the Clippers getting someone this summer, I think those odds have taken a bit of a hit. But I, I do, again, I do think they're going to be in the mix for Kawhi. I still think they're in the mix to some extent for KD, uh, you know, whether it's getting both of them, each of them separately. Uh, you know, the Clippers can't afford to redshirt KD. There is no pressure to, uh, you know, win next season. And I think, you know, having Katie spend a year around the team could actually be a good chemistry building thing, could, could make him, you know, integrate him more into the organization in, in, in a different way than, than, you know, if you were playing. Uh, it'd be a lot more behind the scenes stuff, a lot more spending time with people that, you know, he, he might not, you know, time he, he might not spend, uh, you know, he, he would kind of more behind the scenes. So I think that, you know, if you're the Clippers, you, you offer Kawhi the max, you offer KD the max, you, you see how things go. And uh, yeah, so you know, this was the catch up from last week. The the sort of my thoughts and, and opinions, and and you know some reporting and sourcing on different stuff I've heard over the last week or so. But I will have a second podcast uh, after the draft. The draft is this Thursday. Clippers have the number forty eight and fifty six pick. 
I have a story coming out uh, tomorrow morning, well, Tuesday morning, on 10 guys to watch for the Clippers at number 48 and 56. So if you're not subscribed to The Athletic, check that out. Subscribe. Um, And thank you for listening. Again, I apologize for not having a podcast last week. Uh, I've had a pod, you know, I've had a podcast for 18 straight weeks. I, I have not gone a week without a podcast. So that was the first time. Uh, and for those of you calling me out and asking what it was, I appreciate that. You know, that that shows that you guys actually care and uh, that really means the world to me. So uh, thank you. You know, please, if, if you ever have any podcast questions or feedback, reach out to me on Twitter or Instagram at Yovan Buha. That's at J-O-V-A-N-B-U-H-A. Again, subscribe to The Athletic. If you haven't subscribed yet, you could test it for a week, one week free trial. Uh, we, we actually have a sale going on this week because it's the Athletic LA's one-year anniversary. Uh, it's about to be my one-year anniversary at the Athletic, so definitely check that out. I'll be tweeting stuff about it, but if you don't follow the Athletic uh, LA on, on Twitter yet, you should do that, and uh, you could subscribe from there. Although I prefer you subscribe to one of my articles, but uh, that, that's just me being selfish here. Um, and as always, of course, if you're listening to this, uh, you're probably listening to this on Apple podcasts on spotify on stitcher wherever you get your podcasts uh please subscribe to the podcast uh you can subscribe by searching clip city or blue wire and um you know subscribe rate review uh five-star review and and a a very nice comment complimenting me on uh on my ability to ramble for 50 minutes i think it's pretty impressive (laughs) uh but i will be back on friday morning uh, or fr- yeah, should should be should come out Friday. Maybe small chance it comes out Saturday, but Friday or Saturday this week, uh, I will be back with a second podcast, reacting to who the Clippers pick in the draft, reacting to any trades uh, that that happen that that could affect free agency or and or the Clippers. Uh, be on the lookout for a potential Danilo Gallinari trade. I'm just going to say that. Uh, that, that is pure speculation. There's no sourcing or reporting behind that. But if the Clippers are trying to get a second max guy, they're going to have to move Danilo Gallinari. If they do move him around the draft, there's a chance that they have intel on a second guy coming. So be on the lookout for that. Uh, but otherwise, um, thank you for listening again. And I will be back talking to you guys in a few days.